Hello, everyone. We are back. We're back. It's After Richard, Steve, break. and Angela. Hello. We should. Uh, we we had a little different vibes mm-hmm. in the run up to Easter. Um, we had some like, how do you celebrate Easter stories? And we had yeah. a little break because there was already so much going on at Easter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we're back. Back in Luke, becoming like Jesus. It's great to be back. Yeah, I feel like we need to catch up with everyone. Yeah. Which is the weird thing about a podcast is we can't ask people how their Easter was, but we can sort Mm -hmm. of allow them to ask us how our Easter was. Mm -hmm. And come share with us how yours was. Yeah. Yeah. And mine was mad because I was on a trip to the Mm -hmm. UK. Mm -hmm. So we got back Saturday evening here for church, bright and early. Ready to go. Ready were. to go. Yeah. So it was a very surreal Easter yeah. for me this year. <laughs> I had an amazing Easter. It was so great to be in worship with so many people. Just what a gift. People streaming into the building. It's the one time where I welcome traffic, traffic getting into church, mm-hmm. the cars, yeah. the line of cars. And um, gosh, God is doing something in this yeah. church. And it was very evident. On lots Easter. of lots of mm-hmm. joy and en- energy and mm-hmm. yeah. I was speaking with um, uh, a friend of mine this morning whose son got unexpectedly baptized on uh, oh, Easter cool. Sunday. He had he had two sons b- baptized on Sunday, one of them unexpected. And just, uh, I, yeah, I could see in his face just the joy and mm-hmm. um, excitement uh, over that. And uh, so we were just catching up. But there a lot of baptisms, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it and fun. it's that mixture of there were some kids yeah. you know, who'd planned to get baptized on Easter Sunday. It's really special to, you know, chat with them mm-hmm. in like that kid friendly way. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just a reality in them. Like, yeah. the, like they understand so, and something enough yeah. about Easter yeah. to know like, this is the time. Yeah. And it's yeah. just so cool to see that in them. Yeah. Uh, like for, I think one of the girls, um, was about like maybe seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. you know, so young, but just like she gets it, she understands, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, adults getting baptized, there were some young lads yeah. getting baptized, that's cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, when you get to chat <laughs> chat to the kids and see like yeah. that trajectory starting early in their life, yeah. yeah, that always gets me. I love that. Yeah, I sort of sit back and just go, watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And oh, I love awesome. how an Easter baptism is special. I mean, extra special because then every year on Easter, you remember it. Yeah. yeah. And it commemorates yeah. just another year. And um, and it's a great story to tell every yeah, year. definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, because I'll often chat to people and say, what we're doing is acting this out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But on Easter Sunday, you get to say, well, we're acting out literally what this weekend has been about. That's you right. Know? So it just, it all syncs up so beautifully. Yeah. yeah I love uh, it. It was a great, uh, I was so, I'm so thankful to see what is happening here and what a privilege to just be a part of this family and this community. Yeah. It's awesome. And now we've got a season ahead of us up to early summer where we're mm-hmm. back in the Becoming Like Jesus series. Yeah. Which I'm starting to realize is, a little weird because at some point we'll be like, okay, the Becoming Like Jesus series is over, but Becoming Like Jesus isn't over. That's, that's, right. that's actually what <laughs> that's we're always about. That's a lifelong endeavor. <laughs> so now we're getting towards like the final straight of the series. I'm like, oh, it's actually a terrible name for a series. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are, we're going to finish Luke. And so mm-hmm. we are, there's a reading plan on the website with a little prayer prompt to mm-hmm. sort of get the juices flowing so you can be reading every week. Um, and we're, we're speeding up the pace a little bit because we were at risk of being in Luke for two and a half years. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So reading a, a little bit larger chunks, but nothing huge, just a chapter. Um, a little more, a couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, so you can, you can read, you can pray. Then on Sunday, you know, the teaching will be out of that chapter. And so what God, you know, speaks through the pulpit will hopefully interact with and join up with what God's been speaking as you've been reading and praying. And then for communities, they get to sort of process all of that together, yeah. like discuss and pray for each other and things like that. And so our job we're back to is 
we get to be the orientation committee for reading the chapter each week. Dive a little bit deeper or, or just more broadly yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I think I think it's that two two things, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah. there might be someone who's like, I'd love to read that chapter, but I don't know what the frick is going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. now, and hopefully we can be like like the Bible Project videos. You know, you watch the video and you're always like, ah, oh, I can read Isaiah now. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I feel like I want to, you know. Yeah. But then also for people who are just a little hungrier for wanting to go a little deeper. And so. And also just modeling like a conversation around uh, Luke 15. And we hope that the communities will have this type of conversation mm-hmm. in their community mm-hmm. group um, to just go broad and ask questions and kind of toss things around is completely healthy, yeah. even if you don't have the right answers. I mean, I come to these podcast recordings not having all the right answers. And I just learned yeah, through just the conversation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we hope that for the communities as well. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a trailer for community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you enjoy the podcast and wish you could be on a podcast like this, mm-hmm. you probably are realizing you'd enjoy a community group. There yeah, you that's go. Right. That's another <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. Coming soon. Too. <laughs> so this week is Luke 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, well, there's a, a little at the beginning but it's basically three parables right. on a theme so it's a very tight theme in this mm. chapter mm. Um, and I guess we should do a little bit of a I don't want to recap the whole of Luke that's going back a long way mm. but yeah no but um, maybe in this this comes on the heels of some stuff yeah where we're at like like set the context mm-hmm. for like okay why these parables why now like what's happening that's eliciting this, these stories from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I really enjoyed, because all of us, um, we're mentors in the young adults mm, community. Mm. So we've, we got to have our other community group <laughs> with yes. the young adults looking at chapter 14. Mm-hmm. And I actually really enjoy, enjoyed the tone that sets for yeah. launching back into the series because um, humility was such a big theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you've also got Jesus calling for this kind of undivided, all in, like all of this playing the game of like, why am I valuable? How can I get more value? Like, I want to take the highest seat. I want to promote myself. You know, I need to play the game. And like we talked at our table about social media mm-hmm. as like the modern version of like, yeah. how you try to curate an image of yourself mm-hmm. because of wanting to be valuable mm-hmm. and and how this call to humility is not like just self-abasement for the sake of it but actually it's an it's an invitation into a freedom like you know you don't need to pay the game yeah you know i have actually said you're valuable which means you can act humbly and so there's a radical call in chapter 14 away from the games of the world into this security and value that God gives us. But Jesus, like it is a warning as well as an invitation, which is the interesting thing about so many of Jesus's warnings is when you understand the heart behind them, they are actually invitations, but he knows that to not respond to the invitation is going to harm us. So it comes often with some warning to it about what will happen if if we don't heed it. And so just catching Jesus' heart for his followers, being like, you just, like, don't play the game. You've got to renounce all that stuff, uh, like all of it, um, and really embrace, like, what I say is true of you. Yeah, I see this sort of in, in throughout all these parables, whether it's in chapter 14, you know, here 15, you know, 16, uh, onward, onward, there's almost these this these two things, because we learn about what Jesus has to say about us individually, us as people, and our value, and your, and, you know, the, the, like you said, the warning of, like, humility versus, you know, self kind of 
uh, promotion. Um, we've got these messages about what he's trying to teach us about ourselves, but always he's sort of doing that in the context of who God is. Mm-hmm. And we learn about God. And, and, and so, like, for example, last week, that notion of God saying, I want my, ta- my table's going to be full, you know, that um, lavish king who has is throwing this amazing banquet who's inviting people and is inviting everybody to it i think those two things work together those vision of who god is as the father his his heart as well as maybe how um because we don't see that we have a um a distorted view of our hearts, mm. um, and and like putting those two things together, rightly aligns those to say no. This is who. This is why um, you can be humble. Yeah, yeah. And the thing I took away from just Luke fourteen um, that connects into fifteen to maybe start to segue into fifteen is just God's heart. He is somebody who pursues the yeah. least and the lost in in a way that is has is gracious loving and also surprising to the prideful mm-hmm. and so how his ways are not the ways of the world and the way he pursues his people um, and in that there is rejection and so in spite of rejection he continues to pursue mm-hmm. and I think in 14 we see that, and it happens in 15, mm. but he's speaking to a different group of people in 15. So yeah. do we want to get yeah. into that? A yeah, let's bit? do it. Yeah. Do you know what? It, it, I think another thing that helps tee up 15 that both of these chapters remind me of is also the Beatitudes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like those who are humble, who see yeah. themselves as ones in need, will be the ones who experience that blessing. Yeah. And those who have more pride and think of themselves as full and you know, and that that's their self image. It's like actually yeah. that's gonna be a barrier yeah. to to blessing. We we talked about that on at Tuesday night, sorry, with the young adults. Can you imagine so this invitation when he extends to the you know, the uh, blind, the lame, and the broken, the outsiders, you know, the poor. Like there's no barrier. They're like, No, I actually need a meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go to this banquet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I can't believe I've got this invitation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think when we see ourselves the way the Beatitude says, mm-hmm. hey, this is this is the way, um, we actually see ourselves reflected in the Father's invitation to the table. It's yeah. like, oh, he's inviting me. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. feel included, and, and then it helps us view other people differently. Yeah. And I guess that's the uh, something coming in the foreground in chapter 15, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Is, is how do we view others because you've got the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day and they are in tension with Jesus a lot of the time and we're going to see it in the first verse you know, because of yeah. who ends up being drawn to Jesus. And so they, I mean, the Beatitudes already kind of cut against them because they mm-hmm. don't see that they see themselves as like the successes of humankind right. rather than the ones in need of saving mm-hmm. they're still ce- celebrating salvation but salvation for them like being god's people is not bearing the right fruit yeah. like it hasn't been properly understood there's something like tragically missing yeah. um and so yeah you can sort of uh, you can see the connecting dots between the chapters mm-hmm. yeah. they've heard about the father inviting the poor the lame the crippled which for us we're thinking like oh how sad people with disabilities and handicaps yeah, and mental yeah. illness and but in jesus's day the pharisees were thinking oh this the people who are being punished for their sins by having things wrong with them right the people like we're ashamed of the unclean the outliers yeah. the gentiles the lepers the lame yeah and and not just oh how sad there's something wrong with them but they probably deserve it yeah it's you know as you say that it's jesus's view of them uh, of that 
it, you know, it's just just lay his default response is compassion mm-hmm. in the form, and their default response is, you know, maybe it's maybe there maybe there's an element of pity to it, but it's really through condemnation. Yeah, and self preservation. Yeah. Keep them away from me. They're yeah. unclean. I don't want to be yeah. unclean. Don't want to be I want to still be holy. Yeah. Yeah. to exalt you, God. So keep the the riffraff away from yeah. me. So they're not seeing themselves reflected in yeah. that story yeah. of the Father's table, yeah. and they're actually thinking, "Well, that's wrong." Yeah, like if the Father sent the Messiah, he wouldn't want to hang out with the poor. He would want to hang out with us. Yeah. We're so ready. their expectation mm-hmm. is not being met, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus is going to challenge it. And I, and I love this then for the first verse of chapter well, 15. Well, I think, um, you know, as you, re- and I'm, I'm so glad we're, you're teeing it up there because I think, you know, this may sound like if I'm listening, like normally I hear these parables and I just go straight to something. Mm-hmm. But unless you read these first v- verses, I think the contextual kind of who is he speaking to mm-hmm. in here is maybe lost. And I know I've lost it before. I haven't looked at it through there. So actually pausing and thinking about mm-hmm. the audience he's interacting mm-hmm. with has really changed how I've sort of mm. started yeah. to see these. And so... Um, all and, and we can see ourselves uh, like us three. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can. Yeah. But, you know, we are leaders in this church. Mm. And so that always makes me like do a double take and look again because there's something about prominence and leadership and people valuing. Uh, there's just a dynamic. Mm. And I, I wonder how much that was a part of what created problems with the Pharisees. Mm. So whenever I read these things about the Pharisees, I'm also a bit like, oh, this is... Don't go so fast. Like there's a warning in here that <laughs> yeah. might be close to home, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think but it it's about more than just um, whether you're a leader in a church. Like if you're following Jesus and like pursuing him hard, you're going to be exercising some leadership in your community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and, and our culture, we aspire to being influential people. We yeah. aspire to influence. So we aspire to leadership. Yeah. And so there's something in all of us, which is maybe not many steps away from things the Pharisees had to deal with, so whenever stuff crops up with the Pharisees here, I'm like, it's really easy for us to want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm like the poor and the blind and yeah. the lame. Jesus mm-hmm. invites me. That's so good. And it is. But then also paying attention to who's listening and thinking, oh, I bet sometimes my heart sits over there with them. Yeah. I'm wanting to like hear Jesus's words speak to that part of my heart as well, because mm-hmm. that needs to that part of me needs to receive to be purified and refined as well. And that that moment when you start to see yourself identify a little bit like maybe parts of the Pharisees, well that comes from being having humility. Yeah. Which is the theme of yeah. Luke yeah. 14. Yeah. So it's okay, we come to this 15 with a humble heart ideally. Um and and now where do we see ourselves in the story? Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. So back back to the first verse. There we go. So, so this sets the tone. <laughs> the tax collectors and sinners, horrible people. Mm-hmm. The people you do not want as neighbors, like treacherous people, were all drawing near to hear him. So there's a dynamic yeah. in operation. There's something about Jesus, his teaching, his ministry, the way he treats people the content of his message, which is making sinners flock to him. They're attracted. There's something very attractive. Yeah, they're attracted. The Pharisees and the scribes, so the religious leaders, Mm. grumbled. Mm -hmm. They were upset by this, saying, this man, and here's the thing, they're not upset primarily that people are drawn, but it's that this man receives them. Mm Mm-hmm. And eats with them. He's uh, this notion of in- <coughs> intimacy with him. Yeah, you know, really drawing them in, not just a passing, 
acquaintance or <coughs> it, it's that I, I think of that that culture of eating together and what that meant to be invited <coughs> to, to a dinner, which is right on the um, heels of this parable he gave about a banquet. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. who's going to be eating there? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. To, yeah. to share a meal was, I don't know, to allow yourself to be affected by someone yeah. and to give a sort of affirmation, mm-hmm. you know, about their inclusion, their mm-hmm. belonging and their value. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, Jesus is, is treating these sinners really differently than the Pharisees. Like you were saying earlier, Angela, like they don't want to be tainted. Mm-hmm. They need to yeah. keep their distance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And so then he says, so <coughs> the, like, I even think you, that... You keep going, I'm just having a yes. quiet coughing fit here in the corner. <laughs> well, even the next verse um, sets it up. And I think this verse, uh, verse 3, when it says, then Jesus told them this parable. Um, and so... So it's, di- I, it's directly addressing their grumbling. Mm-hmm. To right? the grumbling. To, yeah. And so the next, of the, because then when we go from par- one parable to another to another, all these are in response to their grumbling, and it's to yeah. them. And, yeah. And we, we, I had overlooked that um, in, in the past. Yeah, and it's like the grumbling creates a question, yeah. and that the paro- these three parables, if we understand them right, we should be like, oh, I see how that answers this question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And parables, actually, Jesus' parables generally were reactive. They were in response mm-hmm. to, to a, a need. It's a great way to check if you've sort of understood a parable yeah. to be like, okay, normally in a parable, there's like a mic drop moment. Where do I go Something back happens and, and the mic drop moment should answer the question that caused Jesus to be like, I'm going to tell you a story. Mm, and mm. so, yeah, that helps us check, like check our workings. Well, Are we I doing th- the maths right? I think about, so maybe for us as we're going through this, as we dive into the parables, et cetera, to circle back and go, where might my heart be grumbling? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, against, you know, uh, where might my heart be grumbling? And what have I just learned yeah. that can help? Um, yeah, I think, I think that, that, that's huge, like checking mm. for our own grumbling. And then... I guess it's the flip side of that coin to let the cat out of the bag early as well is I think that part of the reason Jesus is telling us about this father's heart to have this kind of table Mm. is, hey, disciples, have that kind of table too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if I'm really reflecting Jesus in my life, our sinners and tax collectors, whoever that looks like in this day and age, like Mm. broken people, people in need, are they attracted to Jesus in me? And do I make yeah. space? Do I receive them and eat with them? So, because yeah. I think sometimes the danger in this is like when Jesus said, you've got to, you've got to rena- in the last chapter, like renounce all of this stuff. Yeah. Like you've just, you really need to follow me radically. Um, it's not enough to go from like, well, I'm, I'm not going to grumble about there being like broken, lost mm, people mm. around. Um, as I'll move from grumbling to neutral. It's right. like, no, 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 that's not enough. You need to move to, actually, I'm going to make space at my table yeah. for people who need Jesus. And people are going to be attracted to that. People are going to see a transformation in mm-hmm. you and the way you live and say, ooh, I, I kind of want part of that. And, and unexpected yeah. people, not just our friends, yeah, not just our uh, best buddies. The comfortable ones. The comfortable yeah. ones, like people who would, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, it creates a little bit of a litmus test yeah. for is the heart dynamic in these parables mm-hmm. a reality that's playing out in my life? Yeah. So I, there's something really important about these chapters. Yeah. So, so let's look at the first parable, shall we? Yeah, and we, I was just going to say, we're, I mean, we're jumping around to all these layers of like, it's directed to the Pharisees. Mm. Jesus is directly addressing the Pharisees. He told, then Jesus told them this parable. Um, I love in the next verse, I picture Jesus saying, you know, I'm in verse four, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. And he'll go on. But I picture Jesus like pointing to them. Like Pharisees, mm-hmm. you're asking the question, 
look at, I'm going to ask you, like, suppose you have a hundred sheep and lose one of you, one of them. And so he'll, he puts them into the parable immediately inviting mm. them to imagine this. Um, and yeah, so gets personal um, really quick. He does. Yeah. And in a way that's direct. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus has a point to make with us, he's direct. Yeah. Like he's mm-hmm. going to say it in a, yeah. w- in a context that we can really understand. Um, if we have um, the Holy Spirit, and if he opens our eyes to, yeah. to understand. So I, I think the other thing, like Jesus getting personal, I don't know, when when we like we might joke, like we're in a meeting, it gets a bit heated, and someone's like, Oh, that got personal real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, oh, like someone actually lashed out. Mm-hmm. Someone had the mm-hmm. purpose of like hurting someone back. Or, you know, we, we tend to use the phrase that way. But actually I think especially in Jesus's interactions with the Pharisees, when he gets personal, you really see his compassion Mm -hmm. because the personal he gets is like Pharisees, you know this about yourself. Mm -hmm. And what he actually does is he elevates something that's true of them Mm -hmm. and then says, you just need to apply that over here as well. And he's trying to lead them Mm -hmm. from a place like you, you know this about yourself. Just take one more step, Mm -hmm. you know, and it can be a really hard step, but he's not just condemning them. His purpose isn't to condemn or no. berate them or no. make yeah, them feel yeah. bad about themselves. It, you know, he it's actually to get them is, to go further. He's been like, hey, the step you need to take, it starts here. Yeah. He tries to get them to the launch pad mm. to now grow. Mm. Um, like uh, that's a good kind of personal. Yeah. yeah. That's a loving personal. Yeah. It's not... It's not unloving to be direct sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to miss that because the Pharisees do do some horrific things, in the, and especially towards the end of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really easy to miss the way Jesus, as much as he is attracting the sinners to himself and spending time with them, the Pharisees, they're being attracted um, in a different way with like some cynicism and skepticism and but they're still being drawn in. They're asking questions. But Jesus wants to attract them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's trying to pull them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have this sort of view of Jesus is like, well, I'm I'm after the sinners and the lost, but you know, the elite, yeah, Jesus just walked this earth, just sticking it to the man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, actually, Jesus was trying to pull everyone in from all these different strata of society, you know. Mm-hmm. Women, men, Jew, Gentile, elite, poor. all at once. Like in these parables, there's just so many layers. Yeah, and this one is the, these this series of the three, so many layers yeah. to how yeah. he's pulling them in. What it says about God, what it says about us. We could spend yeah. like five hours on. It's this. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hel- mind-bogglingly holistic that mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. could be a human. I mean, Paul says, you know, I, I strove to be all things to all men, mm. to reach everyone. And he's trying to reflect the thing we're talking about mm. that Jesus mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. But Jesus just nailed it, of which is something did. that's so beautiful <laughs> about Jesus. I love it. Well, I love what you said uh, just a little while ago about he's trying to get them to launch from where they already are. And so this parable about the lost sheep, and if you find it, um, uh, he joyfully uh, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Um, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I almost see that as, like, now that you say that, um, hey, get them to go from where they're at, because um, he knows this about them. You already, you would do this. You would, you know, mm-hmm. celebrate finding this sheep. And this sort of notion of calling others and say, rejoice with me, almost is directly, you know, it's that's that next step when earlier they're grumbling about yeah. Jesus pulling in, you know, these tax collectors and the, mm-hmm. um, the outcasts, and they grumbled. And he's basically saying, rejoice with me yeah. in that they're coming. Yeah, we found them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's... The thing they're doing is already, it is actually a little bit surprising. Yeah. You know, they've got 99 sheep, they've lost one, you know, but you're still, you're still going to search for that one. Yeah. Like you understand the value of something that's lost. Yeah. You don't just look around, but it is a little bit surprising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, 
if you've got a million dollars and you lose one, mm. you might think, ah, you know, yeah, it's, d- it's disposable right. or something, right. you know. But he's pointing at something about like, no, but the way you value a flock is that that lost one is not disposable. Yeah, You know, there's, there's something that deeply matters that you won't let go of, that means mm. you will mm. spend the time, you'll exert the energy yeah. to go find that lost one. Yeah. And, and actually, there's a special joy then in like redeeming and reclaiming something mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. valuable but lost. Yeah. So he's, he's tapping into like an emotional dynamic and a practice that they'd all be familiar mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, they can all imagine. So they, they can situate themselves in that reality. Yeah. And, and then then the last line is the, I don't know, when reality comes crashing through the door mm. and Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy mm. in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Mm. So then... <laughs> Now it gets personal square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, and this is the challenging part. Yeah. I, I love the the amplification mm. of like, you know, in a, he could have said in a similar way, but he's like, no, there'll be more joy yeah. in heaven. So, so I just want to ask the question in case there are questions out there from the listeners, because um, there's a comparison in that verse, Richard. There's the the one who repents versus the righteous and to somebody might say well isn't being righteous good Mm -hmm. so why in this way is is are the 99 um sort of being why why does he explain what does it mean to be a righteous person versus a repentant person i guess yeah yeah because you might think a more modern western way of talking about sin we might have expected Jesus to say, there is no 99. Mm. Everyone's not righteous. Everyone's got problems. Everyone needs to repent. Um, But Jesus is, he's entering into the world of the Pharisees understanding there is a difference between their knowledge of God and the prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus never, he doesn't like, make his peace with attracting sinners and spending time with them by not calling sin a sin. Um, uh-huh. Like he, he's able to, un- like he could understand like, yeah, I, I get it. The tax collector's done some stuff that is really horrific. Now, along the way, the complication is Jesus tries to get the Pharisees to see some of the horrific things they do that mm-hmm. they don't understand mm-hmm. about themselves. Right, right. But I think he's entering into their world and saying, I get why you would have a hard time looking at me accepting a tax collector and think, mm, why, mm. why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And so he's, I think he's That's entering good. into their world of like, I, you know, I get that you, you can see a need for repentance there that troubles you. In the same way that, you know, like who we accept into our community as a church you know, like, um, like to pull something from the past. The, there was a guy who had been convicted as a pedophile, had come to know Jesus mm. in prison, and wanted to come join the church. Mm. But that create it, it creates a, a like a, a, a it's a moral thing, but it's a keeping people safe thing. It's a social dynamic of like, yeah, but where's your heart at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- like. Like what? Are, what are the risks given what I see in your heart? Mm-hmm. And if someone's a tax collector and they've basically betrayed their friends and their neighbours and their country mm-hmm. for the sake of gain, there's a risk. And Jesus is willing to like front up to that risk to reach and rescue and transform mm-hmm. those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's. That's the big difference. Yeah, is okay, is the Pharisees right. and uh, they're not able to deal with that risk, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, that's really interesting to me because now I'm starting to hear echoes of this stuff in chapter fourteen about being free to be humble, 
yeah. because we have deep security. We understand our value. Mm-hmm. Like from that kind of place, you can actually take on the risk of like, what if I let this person into my life and see if see what God does? You know, you don't need to insulate yourselves from those risks. You, There's freedom. You, you want to be wise. You know, you don't ignore risks. Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't either. Um, but yeah. he was he was able to, I think, risk so much more than we do and more than the Pharisees did. And is it because, um, like, yes, he, he could risk that because he knew what he could do to address that risk. Yeah. You know, he knew he could change that, you know, and he can fully redeem and fully restore people. Um, and maybe that's like sometimes my disbelief is because I view it as a risk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't get how that's going to happen. I yeah. don't how I don't get fully how maybe intellectually I can get it, but like emotionally and, and, and that sort of thing, it's hard to... Um, fathom and to work out um and i I like to have things worked out yeah (laughs) you know that oh that risk is to be strategic about it yeah Yeah. like here's an interesting christological kind of question about jesus's experience as a human um because i think one version of what you're saying would be like well jesus knew like i'm going to transform this person yeah so it's it's okay to invite them to dinner because i know how it's going to end Mm mm-hmm Another version, though, is like Jesus knew it was possible, but he didn't know what would happen because he didn't know what that person would choose yet. Yeah. And then it makes me think of like Judas, Mm. that Jesus, did he already know or did he come to discover that Mm. Judas, who he poured so much into, would actually betray him? Mm. But as Jesus was discovering that, he didn't ostracize him, Mm. but he continued to reach out to him. Mm. You know, it it's just sort of an interesting. Whoa! I you know because yeah. I think I think our not knowing so many things makes it really hard for us to interact with yeah, risk, yeah. especially where the enemy uses fear as such yeah. a powerful tool um, against us. But to then sort of think through Jesus's experience and be like, like, is it true to say maybe Jesus was afraid of the cross? Like the pain, because yeah. he didn't like he know wept, like father, he... I don't want you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of extrapolate back. Then he must maybe have had some fear and anxiety about what Judas was about to do, but he kept him around. Yeah. So there's something about what Jesus did that then is like, oh my goodness, like there's some stuff that's possible for a human to do that Jesus did mm-hmm. that now really challenges. Like, oh, I could go after that lost person you know it just yeah, it kind of breaks yeah. my box for what kind of risk of creating the possibility of someone being included and brought in and rescued could look like mm. and i love how this fits into the theme of becoming like jesus because we've been talking a lot <laughs> about like laying down what we feel like our own rights are in our culture to become like jesus to become humble um, to be um, have grace for others and patience and love and kindness. But this, this is what we're talking about, is the risk of becoming like Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the true risk to everything that we think is safe um, in, in who, we, who we welcome in, who we show grace to, whose needs we meet, even if it means losing um, our status, our comfort, <laughs> Our um, our identity mm-hmm. away mm. outside of Christ and the becoming like Jesus is risky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost but as it's if Jesus would have said something like, "You have to lose your life yeah. for <laughs> my sake yes, and the gospel to exactly. find." Exactly. But the yes. thing is, it's the end of the sentence that's actually really telling. There is, mm-hmm. you're talking about losing your life, and the twist on it though is Jesus says, and in doing that. You'll actually find it. And becoming like Jesus is the safest thing you can do. And that's that sort of chapter 14 thing. If you stop playing the game and lose all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and lose the facade and Mm -hmm. lose the veneer and lose the image, what you'll actually discover is going to be good. It's You're going to find the real value. The best. It's going to blow your mind with blessings eternally. Mm. I feel like 
Okay, so there's the parable of the lost coin, yeah. which is very similar to the lost sheep, yeah. same dynamic, right? Yeah. So maybe we can move into the next yeah. one. Yeah. Because I actually think then the parable of the lost son, mm-hmm. the son experiences like trying to create what he thought was a valuable life, mm-hmm. discovers actually it's, it's horrific, and then on his return to his father experiences a sort of realization about his value. So actually mm. this dynamic we're talking mm-hmm. about really mm-hmm. prominently really plays out in this it. parable, yeah. doesn't yes, it? it does. I, I'm also aware that we've talked for 40 minutes. Okay, let's well, go. Well, so, <laughs> so well, one question, because yeah. uh, I mean, in some ways I was thinking about this. Uh, well, oftentimes we think it, I've read this and thought and heard, uh, you know, well, this older brother is the... Uh, Pharisee, etc. And I think there's, I, I get that and I can mm-hmm. see that. But I also think there's perhaps in the younger brother um, as well, this f- Pharisee. And insofar as in some ways I look at this as, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why I just got this like, uh, this hyperlink back to the garden uh, almost. This is, hey, I want my thing now. You know, yeah. and this is Eve seeing what was, what, you know, looked good you know, and took it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so, you know, and then being rejected and outcast and kind of off you go. And remember God's story to Israel was like, I'm going to bring you back. You know, this people group is, I'm going to, you're going to be my people. I'm going to bring you back. But in the son's response here, so we, I mean, I'm skipping over some of these things to... <laughs> get we'll to piece my, together the story here yeah. in a sec. Yeah. But when he when he comes back and he basically, um, you know, the father wants to do all this stuff and he basically says, hey, uh, let me be your hired hand. You know, it's almost like this is where I see a little bit of, you know, sort of the that pharisaical attitude because in a way he's still trying to earn his way back into uh you know the father's life he's he's not he's kind of rejecting mm-hmm. just free you know god's or the father's just lavish grace on him he's no yeah. i want to be your hired hand yeah. You know, and and that's where I see some of the you know the Pharisees have all these rules, et cetera. Mm. It's about doing this, doing this, doing this, and therefore we've earned it. Yeah, and that's yeah. a propensity not just the Pharisees have. Like it makes me think of Peter, yeah. who rejects Jesus, which yeah. we'll get to yeah. later yeah. in Luke. And then when Jesus wants to restore him, and he sort of invites him back to yeah. be that disciple who will now go and make disciples, yeah. the fisher of men, the shepherd. And he's sort of, he doesn't want to fully receive it. Mm. Yeah. It's like, I want to be restored, but I can't stand with you the way I did before because I've messed up. Yeah. And Jesus keeps saying, why don't you come stand with me like you did before? Yeah. It's like, no, I can't. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, one of the interesting connections here with like the themes Luke's drawing out of Jesus's teaching is what characteristic does it take to actually accept a gift? Mm. humility mm. again yeah okay, here it comes again. right mm-hmm. it, it takes that humility and so yeah there's just a masterful weaving together of uh, themes going on here as well yeah. so we should yes we Sorry, should, ske- I, I we should sketch the story a little bit shouldn't <laughs> okay. we as well Let's do yeah. That. yeah um so we've got this uh-huh. two sons uh-huh. and a father okay and we we need to do like the ancient world picture Okay. here as well um this is the father who's like head of a household so think like um yeah 17th century england it's the english lord of the manor who lives mm-hmm. in the large estate of course has you lots of tenant only, farmers. only you can say <laughs> yeah. this okay Richard. now i'm like downton abbey okay, exactly <laughs> it's it's like downton abbey <laughs> or any of those things yeah See, I can say it's not familiar, but now like <laughs> Netflix has made it familiar. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, so it's someone, you know, um, fairly affluent, mm. influential, powerful. And what would normally happen would be on his death, then the estate would pass to the eldest son with a portion for the younger son mm. as well. And not just the money, 
but some of their position in society, some of the sort of socio-political influence wielded by a family, things like that. And so that's the, that's the sort of the scenario that we're in. And the younger son comes to the father and says, give me my stuff now, mm. basically. And it's, there's a, oh my goodness, we could do like four podcasts on this parable. Yeah. I know. There's been many, there's, many There's books so much stuff going on here. Uh, part of it is this, there seems to be like an impetuousness of youth yeah. for like instant gratification. Yeah. And then like, I can just hear our culture, our modern culture, like waving and going, hello, that's us. Yeah. We're a little bit instant, you know, yeah. if I can't get it on Prime next day, I don't know if I want to <laughs> buy it anymore, you know. So there's, there's a dynamic we can definitely associate with. Yeah. But it's also not just about how he's treating possessions, but how he's treating the father. Oh, yeah. I want because you this is now. this is like a, I don't trust you to, to take care of me, to give me the things I want, to give me a good life. So I kind of, I wish you were dead. Yeah. And I could just be in charge of me instead of you. This, yeah. this is a broken trust yeah. between the younger son and the father. And it's a rejection of the father's care. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a, all this relational dynamic mm -hmm. going on as well. And this is actually an unusual parable because of its length. And because often Jesus's parables would have had a moment when the crowd would have gone like, <gasps> you know, yeah, and just that yeah, intake yeah. of breath. And there's actually more than one in this parable, mm -hmm. because I think the first intake of breath is then that, the the father says, okay, here you go. Here you go. And sends him off and actually yeah. gives him, doesn't kick him out, get out of my house, you're banished, but gives him his portion of the inheritance yeah. mm -hmm. and sends him off with it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like what a surprise. Because mm -hmm. this, I mean, this son is deserving of being punished, mm -hmm. not rewarded for his request. It's like, yeah. what is going on? And and there's something, and, and this is all playing out a beautiful picture of how God treats humans. And so it's it's like wow, the father respects his son's choice. Mm. He's actually gonna he's he's gonna let his son's choices play out. It's that free will choice. It it's, is, yeah. and not only that, like I, he'll he's gonna give him things with it. You know, not just um, you're an outcast, go away, no money, no provision. The father provides and then lets him loose. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it, yeah it makes us think of the garden because you brought that up. Yeah, Steve, right? I, I mean, I totally do. Like I think of Adam it, and yeah. Eve have been given stuff yeah. to do and everything provide. Like, yeah, that man, they've got it made. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, but I wonder if Eve, you know, Satan basically says yeah, to Eve, I kind of want to be like I bet it. if you disobeyed God, you could do a better job yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And God, yeah. He 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 creates that circumstance in the garden where it allows Adam and Eve to make that choice mm -hmm. to go ahead. I mean, I'm sure there was there's all this structure behind the like you said the cultural context of you would never ask your father. Like that's the one thing you wouldn't do. Yeah. Is tell dad, "Hey, basically I wish you were dead." Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so then, so surprise, <laughs> the father does that, and then the, this son, uh, he goes on a journey to a far country and he squanders everything in yeah. reckless living. Oof. So the recklessness, the the lack of wisdom, the lack of propriety, um, it's it. It's a picture of things sort of spiraling down. So it's yeah. like this sun, something started in a bad place mm. and it's got worse and worse and worse. Mm, mm. And, and we and we get you know, where it ends up. Um, well, and I, I, actually the circumstances add to it. So he sort of spent everything. He spiraled into destitution and then there's a famine. Yeah, and I see that well. there's mm -hmm. two things mm -hmm. in, in there too because if you think of what the father, you know, why the uh, this father could have been trusted, is like, well, one, you know, the son's doing 
you know, sort of self-inflicted harm. He's just making bad choices. But there's other things that are out of his control yeah. that are bound to happen that are going to um, impact him yeah. not well. And, and both those things yeah. come to bear. Yeah, And it's a picture also, I think, just in the beginnings we're examining this, like what life apart from the Father is like. Um, and life apart from the Father, will you be... Um, Will you make bad choices? Yes. Um, but but it's not going to go well if you don't have the Father with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then will you be subjected to, to out exterior attack? Yes. And so enter the famine. So what happens? So the, the, the response of this son to these circumstances mm. um apart from the father versus if he hadn't left and what that difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, we can imagine we don't have that explicitly from the text, but I, I think about that. Yeah. Especially, well, let's let's keep going. There's yeah. more to that yeah. later, but let's keep going. So, so the son ends up in this destitute situation. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, he's in he's in a foreign country, so he's that that exile mm-hmm. figure, mm-hmm. which is deeply theological, yeah, you know, significant like this picture of separation and not belonging, not being able to thrive, the absence of blessing. Well, yeah, and he's having to basically work feeding pigs, which is an unclean animal. Mm-hmm. So he's in a place of being socially and spiritually cut off mm-hmm. because he's he has to just be unclean all the time which is a debasing shameful mm. thing and not only that but he's looking at these pigs and what they're eating and wishing he could mm. be as well off as them mm-hmm. but no one will share even the pig's food with yeah. him so it, it it's just this profound picture of as low as you can go it's the mm. rock bottom thing but not just in terms of his financial poverty, but his like social poverty, his self worth poverty, his religious poverty. It's like he's there's there's nothing left, and there pe- there's no one around him to give him grace. Yeah. Like that yeah. struck me as I was looking at this. Is he came from a a household of grace and love, and he went somewhere on his own with money and in his mind, everything he could have imagined that he needed or wanted. And now he's rock bottom and realizing it's not about the money. It's not about uh, my personal comfort. It's about, um, it's about grace and somebody giving me something that I don't deserve. Yeah. He's me. I imagine him like in those, those, those pig pens having that realization. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is like something changes in the pig pens, mm-hmm. right? Because he in has it. this moment and he thinks, and this is the thing you talked about, uh, yeah. Steve, right? Where he's like, maybe I can go back and at least offer to be a, a hired servant. Yeah, so, he's, so he's to planning. take the lowest position now. Yeah. So if it's like the English estate, yeah, yeah, not to go back and be the son, yeah. but maybe I can like work as a laborer for the gardener. Yeah. Like, but but that would be better than what I currently mm-hmm, am doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's sort of interesting. He's not able to see himself being restored. He That's not his vision mm-hmm. at this point. He doesn't think it's an option. But that thing you were talking about, of that realization of like, but it is better over there. Yeah, he's starting to get And the lowest that. position over there yeah. is better than any of the possibilities over here. Mm-hmm. But he had to live that out to get that. Like he really yeah. did. Yeah. And there's a whole discussion about the mm-hmm. power of free will there, yeah. right? Yeah, which yeah. is, I mean, I go there. Like yeah. when we see people in our lives going down this path, in a way is that God's plan for them to live that out so that when they come, when they turn to him, it's authentically, mm-hmm. it's authentic repentance, yeah. which we're going to get to later. Well, is it, it's, as you both are talking about this. I, your comments around seeing the Beatitudes in here as well, because like, where is he? He's broken hearted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's destitute. He's poor. Yeah. He's hungry. Yeah. He's, you know, spiritually bankrupt. All these things. Um, yeah. 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 He's a pic. Yeah. Such a picture of it. Yeah. I, which is so 
it's that thing again we talked about with like seeing ourselves as the lost one yeah mm -hmm. like the beatitude to the invitation in a way for us to associate with this son yeah so that then the possibilities of this son help us realize the god's possibilities that he offers to us yeah yeah i, I love these two th these verses here this 19 you know going on to um, in 20. So here he is, um, maybe it's even backing up. So he sees this, I'm starving to death. He knows the circumstances in verse 18 says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, which is what you were talking about, that notion of I can't even see myself being fully restored. <coughs> but here's where I see him trying to still sort of make a bargain almost. Uh, but make me like one of your hired servants. I'll do that. And so then he gets mm -hmm. up and goes, like, I'm going to earn my way back. And I love the next verse, there, the next part of that verse, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him <laughs> and was filled compa with compassion, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So he's doing this. The son hasn't given his argument yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he hasn't sort he never of pleaded gets to do this it. case. Yeah. He never yeah. got to do it. Grace comes first here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a really interesting expose on the dynamic between the father and broken humans. Because yeah. mm -hmm. there is, like, there's an ownership. Oh, that was sin. Yeah. And that sin, like, affected me and God and me and my father. Yeah. And there's a humility, yeah. like I'm not worthy. A realization like that anything at this point will be grace. Mm -hmm. and, and it is interesting the way that humility, repentance, and grace come together. Part of the surprise that you're getting out of the, what the father does, the way it plays out, he was expecting like five grams of grace, like a little teaspoon. Yeah. yeah. What he actually got was a bucket. <laughs> yeah. And so that's another one of the likes the surprise factors in the parable here. Yeah. And he was expecting to earn it and instead he was got something that he didn't deserve. Well, even the it there, he was expecting to earn a little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he it. didn't need to earn and he didn't get a little. He got Everything. Everything back without earning, without yeah. his yeah. any because he doesn't end up as a laborer to the gardener, he ends up restored to sonship. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, but now, I mean, the most interesting part is this other son and the response, yes. Mm. And, and this is the more direct. You know, so Jesus told them a parable. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is I getting think, to that response again. Yeah. So this is a beautiful picture, and we love this first part of the picture yeah. because we can see the dynamics of grace mm -hmm. playing mm -hmm. out. It helps us understand how the Father acts in grace towards us. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, so it, and it is beautiful yeah. uh, and something to relish. But we got to remember. There were some Pharisees who were upset. They were grumbling because Jesus was accepting sinners and eating with them. Yeah. And so the older son now sees the father accept a sinner. And the question is, what does the older son mm. do? And so he's in a field. And as he came near the house, he heard the music. And the, so basically a party's broken out. Yeah. There's music, there's dancing, mm -hmm. killing the fattened calf. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. which... We, you know, the words we would give to that from the last parable was like, there was joy in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And actually, I love that we get this sort of picture because it helps me understand that, like, when a sinner repents, like, when I repent, when I'm feeling bad and having that, like, I want to hide under the duvet because I'm ashamed mm -hmm. of what I did moment and I repent, God's not just like, well, I should think so too. Yes. Yeah. But actually, like, there's a party. Mm -hmm. There's a yeah. party. Yeah. Like, wow. Beyond so extravagant. So yeah. different than mm -hmm. what I expect to be treated. Yeah, mm -hmm. so there's a party broken out, and he calls, so the, the, the older brother calls one of the servants and is like, what's going on? So he's confused. Yeah. And this totally makes sense so far, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
How would he have expected any of this to happen? So, yeah, th this all makes sense. And y your brother's come back. Okay. And, and his response there is the older be brother became angry and refused yeah. to go in. So he, here's like the brother's expectation. Yeah. Your brother's come back. Oh, I should like sound, I should hear the sound of like crying and someone yeah, being yeah. whipped and beaten and punished. Yeah. But instead I'm here at a party. Yeah. So like the, the older brother's expectations are completely jarred mm -hmm. by this. And it, but it's, it's so interesting because it's not, it's not just that his expectation is, has confused him. Mm. Because it doesn't say he's confused; it says it, he's, he's angry. angry. And and when he expresses the reason for his anger, it's really interesting because mm. he says to the father, "Look, I've served you for years. Yeah. Like, and you, you haven't given me a fatted calf. Yeah. So there's a kind of a jealousy. And and it sort of becomes clear that although the older brother didn't ask for his portion of the inheritance. When the younger brother got his inheritance, he was kind of thinking, well, aren't you going to give me mine too? Yeah, yeah. So he didn't vocalize it, but he felt entitled to it. So in yeah. his heart, he was treating the father actually in a similar way, but yeah. probably more manipulatively than explicitly, yeah. had a broken relationship with the father well, and, and viewed his relationship with his father as like, I stuck around to work because I wanted to earn so he's lived in a household marked by grace and has somehow managed to, f to miss the reality of his father's grace. And his anger comes from just he feels like justice has not been done. Yeah. He feels deserving. He's making a judgment in that anger saying, look, dad, like you've made this decision and it's wrong because it's not just. Yeah. Which is really this this son putting him elevating himself to equal or above the father judging how the father responded to the the lost son and i just like to think about the the heart attitudes and like the father is one of forgiveness and grace and and lavishness the the lost son's heart is um it's shame and um and and maybe a degree of repentance um but receives grace and then now here we have this this the first son's heart is one of just um hardened anger and prideful and lack of respect and um uh, which sin is worse? And it, it's the like it's the rejection because mm -hmm. both sons yeah. experience grace. That because the the older son won't go in. He's angry. Yeah. He's upset. The injustice of like, well, he deserves punishment, and also he's getting a reward graciously. But I should have earned my reward. Where's yeah, mine? So yeah. there's like a twofold injustice going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the father comes out to him, approaches anyway. him. And is trying to convince him to yeah. come in. So the father also reaches out to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the older son's like, no. No. I, yeah. I reject. Um, I, yeah, I reject your point of view. I reject the, I reject the dynamic of grace that mm -hmm. is in operation here. Because mm -hmm. it's not fair. Like I view myself as someone who's earned something. Mm -hmm. and, and here's where the humility and the pride play out. Yeah. Right? Um, having become someone who's operating from a position of pride, um, I kind of, I, I need you to reward that dynamic in me. Because mm. if you don't, I'm going to feel like I've been robbed of something. Mm. It takes humility to have done the right thing and just just to do it but his, yeah. his i mean his motivation all along was in order to it seems like you can it seems like the text is saying look when it says i've been slaving to obey you never disobeyed your orders slaving away from you and you never gave me anything it's like his whole motivation was to to somehow 
earn uh, this inheritance. And so you're right. He's he's actually not. He's the whole time it was rejecting, you know, this father's love for yeah. him. And, and I love the way this, like even this section, putting these fourteen, fifteen together. They're both revolving around these banquets, mm. you know. And in both cases. You know, the father in this first banquet that we talked about last week was like, my table is going to be full. And the father here is, we had to celebrate. <laughs> we had to have yeah. a, a banquet, you know. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I think, that, I think that what's celebration worthy is a big part yeah. of it as well, isn't it? Because yeah. the, the son's upset for all these other reasons. Yeah. But that's part of what the father wants, you know, the final response um, it, is like, you're always with me, yeah, and everything I have is yours. Yeah, you know that. Like your problem is that I haven't celebrated you the way I've celebrated the, your your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, um, that that twist is really interesting because the brother says, "This son of yours." Yeah, he mm-hmm. separates himself, but mm-hmm. the father says, "Your brother," mm-hmm. and oh, joins them back together again. But um, you know it the thing you're missing son older son is that what's happened with your younger brother is celebration worthy yeah and your and your pride and your lack of understanding of grace because you, 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 the lack of humility is not allowing space for you to interact with me that mm. way mm. is getting in the way of you seeing why this is celebration worthy yeah and, so, and, and that then is like a vivid explanation of why the Pharisees are grumbling about Jesus. Because that picture of eating with sinners right. is like, so you're parting with sinners, yeah, and the Pharisees are stood outside refusing co- yeah. to come in. yeah. And this is like, this parable is Jesus' yeah. entreaty to them yeah. to, to come in. And it's... it's this, this parable 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 is the father... You know, it's almost uh, is the is the father going out and telling the son yeah. why it's celebration? It's like, look, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, "I'm giving you these parables to come back in." Yeah, and don't stand. And out. like I so like many that. of Jesus's parables, it abruptly finishes, and you're like, "Well, what did the older brother do?" Yeah, the yeah. only way to resolve the parable is for the people who embody the older brother to see what they do. Yeah. which is the ones listening to the parable. Mm. And we're still in the middle of that story as we're traveling through Luke, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like a dot, dot, dot. What will they do? Uh, and yeah. I just love that concept of like the Pharisees, hopefully they get it. Hopefully some of them got it that you can't, your obedience to the letter of the law, the way you're living your life doesn't earn grace. You can't, earn grace and your motivation to obey if you're that that older son should be should be because you want god not because you want the blessing yeah and mm. and that is the prize god and god's heart and that's your motivation mm. so i that it to me that's has good. really struck me um both sons, their motivation is they want the blessing, they want the inheritance. Yeah. Both sons should be repenting from, from that heart posture mm-hmm. of wanting the blessings. They should want God himself. And what do the Pharisees want? In the end, what do they want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and what mm-hmm. do we want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really it's do. so easy to commodify. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's just like we do it without even knowing it. Yeah. Mm. You know? Well, that's a good challenge to finish on. Mm-hmm. So there you go. A that lot awesome. to think about going on yeah. in chapter 15, a very rich chapter. So hope you enjoy reading it, spending time in it, talking about it. And next week, chapter 16, we'll be back. More parables. Yes, have a great week. Enjoy. Enjoy.